You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. All right, take your Bibles this morning. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And uh, fasten your seatbelt. Please keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. We will be moving rather rapidly here. <clears throat> that was fun this morning. Jesus, 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 you're so good. You're so good. Everybody pray with me just for a minute because I don't even know where this is going to go. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, Father, you are merciful and you are good and you are kind and you are loving and you're releasing it all the time. All the time. Lord, right now, I pray Holy Spirit would move in our hearts and our minds in such a way that we would begin to catch a deeper understanding of what it means to know you as good and loving and kind and merciful. Lord, that our hearts would be expectant for more of your goodness and that everything that Satan has come in and put a lie in our hearts and in our minds that right now that would just absolutely get eradicated and blown away by the goodness and the mercy and the kindness and the love of God. Anybody else want that in here? Yes. Yeah, I do. I want that. I want all those thought patterns that are old, that are stale, that are lifeless, that hurt me and hurt people around me. I want those things gone. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. You know, I still fully don't know what was going on in worship this morning, but I got the shakes. <laughs> um, but there was some warfare going on. I know that. There was a lot of taking back things that have been stolen. Um, and, and I'm glad for that. I want that stuff. But I also know, too, that we cannot let times like that just to be times where we refer to them and go, wow, do you remember what happened Sunday? When that? There has to be an ongoing repentance, if you would. How many in here got, got, heard God speaking to you about some things that were like, this is revelatory, this is good, this is breakthrough in my life, anything at all? Okay, now we have the responsibility to take that word and hold on to it. Transformation does not come if we don't take the word and med- meditate on it. It's what Jesus was talking about when the seed gets sown right, and it gets snatched away. And part of that parable, he says, the the hearer had no root within themselves. Didn't have anything to do with what Satan was doing. It had to do with what's going on inside of our heart. And we have to be able to take that stuff, even if we don't understand it. Did anybody just feel something going on this morning that felt like, okay, this is not normal, this is a little different, but it felt good? It didn't hurt, did it? Okay. For us to take that is critically, critically important to hold on to it and say, God, I don't even understand what was going on right there. I don't get it. All I know is something felt good, something felt right about that, to hold on to it and begin to meditate on it and say, Lord, show me what that means. What are you saying to me? Because it's God speaking, and we may not understand it fully, but it's God speaking, so start asking the Lord, what does that mean? What does that mean? I was absolutely lost in what we were doing there. 
If somebody were to ask me at that point, Andrew, what's God doing? I don't know. It was a lot of fun, though. And something was happening. Something was really good. Something wonderful was coming out of these two. I thought it was awesome. The, the prayer time, the ministry, all of that stuff, it kind of, I don't know what to say. I'm just kind of processing this, I guess. But I just want to have a heart that expects more than just an experience on a Sunday morning. Yes, Can we all agree to that? Yes. I've been in this thing called the church my entire life, and I've had plenty of times where we've had services, times where God shows up, and it's like, whoa, and then we walk out the door and we forget who we are. We forget who he is. I don't want that to happen. Personally, I'm in a place in my life right now where I'm discovering things that I don't like. About, not about myself, but about the way I think. I'm discovering lies that Satan has infected me with. And I've believed them and I've bought them for so long. I don't want to live like that. Well, I happen to be a firm believer that the presence of God will transform a life. But we have the responsibility then to take what's been given to us and honor God through it. Okay, God, what are you showing me? What are you showing me? At some point, it becomes illegal to go back to the things that we knew before. Yeah. It becomes illegal, and in God's kingdom, it becomes immoral. Because if he has shown us something greater, if he's showing us something better, and he's revealing himself, remember he says his ways are higher his thoughts are not like our thoughts. His thoughts are higher than us, our thoughts. His ways are higher. When those things begin to be revealed, now we have the obligation to hold on to that. Even though everything we've known before, is this making sense at all? Any, even though everything we've known before feels so real. It feels so real, but yet this, what he's showing me doesn't feel real at all. It feels so out there, but it's, there's, we have a responsibility to hold on to those things and say, God, show me more about that. Show me more. I had God show up multiple times in my life. I'm sure many of us have. And he showed me one thing back in 99, and I got it. But I'm starting to discover, I don't think I had all of it. I had some of it, but I didn't catch all of it. He told me in 99, I was safe. And I believed it to a certain extent. And there's been transformation in my life. But... I still need to know that I'm safe. Is this making sense at all? In other words, there might be levels of understanding with a certain word, a certain phrase, a certain whatever God gives you, but it's our responsibility to steward it even more. I want to know from God right now, how safe am I? How safe am I really? I hope this is making sense. I believe that's in part why he's given us the body and why he's given us his word, and why he's given us the spirit. Three things we cannot live without. We can't live without. The last few weeks we've been talking about prophecy and living a prophetic life. And, you know, as who we are as a people, I love the prophetic. I really do. But I also know at times it can become so mysterious that it's, it's not even making any sense anymore. So I decided a couple of weeks back just to start going through this again, and that's where we are right now. Did everybody turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 14? Take them out. 1 Corinthians, wonderful book. We have 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. Most likely it was actually three letters that were written by Paul um, that have been now turned into two. I don't know why you need to know that, but it's just a fact you can hold on to. <laughs> um, 
But these letters are in response to a couple of things. They're in response to what was happening in Corinth with the church. Spirit of God came to the church at Corinth and totally rocked the place. Totally rocked it. But at the same time, they're writing letters back to Paul and asking questions about how are we supposed to handle these things? What are we supposed to do with, with what's going on in the church? And this 1 Corinthians 14 is an answer to one of the letters they wrote to Paul. 1 Corinthians 12, he gives us the breakdown of the gifts of the Spirit. We looked at those last week. 1 Corinthians 13, he says, listen, those things are wonderful, but without love, it's nothing. And then we get into chapter 14, where we are right now, and he begins to break down specifics in what's supposed to happen in the church. Now, after saying that, it's very easy for us to take passages of Scripture like this and turn it into a formula on how we're supposed to do church. Please don't ever do that. Please understand that he was addressing a problem that happened in the church. And if we make a formula out of it, then we're addressing something where we may not have that same problem. Is that making sense? Case in point. When he's writing to Timothy and he says, oh, you guys are going to love this one. I do not allow that woman to teach or usurp authority. Right? We've been so careful about not letting women usurp authority. And it's like, good night. You don't even know what he's writing about right there. First of all, let me say this. We don't have enough women in ministry. Okay? If, if, if we are the thumbprint of God, humanity is the thumbprint of God, then I just think for too long we've held part of his thumbprint away from us. We need more. But when we see passages like that, it was because Timothy had written a letter to Paul and had said, we've got an instance here where somebody wants to get up and just say, we, it's all about me. I'm all that. And it was a woman. It wasn't women. It was a woman. And he said, I do not allow that woman to usurp. That word authority there is not the kind of authority that is used when it says all authority in heaven has been given to me where Jesus used it. It's a different word. That word authority means authority that has been taken away. In other words, he's addressing a problem there. I'm just saying this simply to try to keep everything that we read in Scripture, keep it in context with what's going on. Keep it in context. Does that help? That was a freebie. All right, 1 Corinthians 14. Um, he goes through order. He, he goes all the way through. We talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, exhortation, comfort, edifying, speaking prophecy. I want to look at verse 20. Let's start at verse 26. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. It says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Everybody say edification. edification. This is the purpose. This is the point behind the prophetic. It's all about edification. I love this verse right here. It says, How is it then, brethren? And then he answers his own question. Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Isn't this wonderful? I love this. What would that look like if the church came together and we actually believed that? That everybody who walks in the room has a song, has an interpretation, has a tongue, has a revelation? Come on, man. That's what I'm longing to see in the church. My job is a pastor, not a master. You have one. You have a master. My job as a pastor is to see those things come out in people. What would it look like if people walked in the door of a church and they came in going, man, I just feel God all over me. I can't help it. I got to sing a song. Come on, right? Yes. Some of you go, well, I'm not a singer. Well, I tell you what, when God comes on you and you start to sing, even though you're not a singer, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I don't know how to speak. I don't care. When God gives you a revelation, you speak it. 1 Peter 4, 
talks about that. If, each one, if anyone has received a gift, let him minister it. Let him minister it. Because in it, the manifold, the multicolored wonder of God gets released in it. Come on, don't you love that? We call America a, a melting pot. I really like to look at it kind of like I, like I like to look at the church. It's not a melting pot, it's a salad bowl. And there's all kinds of colors in it. And there's all kinds of textures, and there's all kinds of flavors in it. I don't want everything to be melted down into one ooey-gooey flavor, and this is what we're supposed to be. I like it when it's colorful. So when he says this, how is it when you come together, each one of you has a song, has a hymn, has a word, has a revelation. Come on, let it all be done for edification. Come on, that's a good word, isn't it? We could stop right there. Here's the important thing for us. Whenever we do get a word, we have to remember that it is about edification. It's not about, oh my God, I got a word. Look at me. I got a word. I got a word. Great. What are you going to do with it? It's like when I hear people say, yeah, I have the gift of healing. Awesome. Who's getting healed? Is anybody getting healed? Because that's what the gifts are for. They're for the benefit of other people around us. I have the gift of prophecy. Awesome. Prophesy over me. Do it right now. Start prophesying right now. Yes, thank you. God, that's good. Did I ever tell you that story about my youngest, Wilson? He had a prophetic word over him when he was three. What was his name, Randy? I can't remember his name. Anyway, he gave a word in a setting like this, and he said, I'm, I'm hearing a word, I'm hearing a word. It's, it's, a, it's a maiden name, mother's maiden name, Wilson. Mother's maiden name, Wilson. I'm holding my three-year-old son right back there, and I'm holding up my hand. He's not looking at me at all. Finally, I take my three-year-old and go, it's him! <laughs> and I hold him up, and he says, you, that, that boy is like Samuel. Yeah. He's going to hear the word of the Lord very, very young. Yeah. Well, I thought it was really unique that it came to a three-year-old. So from that point on, I would put my, typically I put my son to bed at night. I tuck him in. He always asked me to do that. I tuck him in and I straddle him. I get on top of the bed and I ask him, God, is God showing you anything? Are you hearing him speak to you? No, no. And I said, well, keep asking him. Keep, keep asking him. Talk to him. Talk to him. He wants to talk to you. Just keep talking to him. So I would do this night after night after night. I don't remember how long had passed before I went in there one night and I jumped on the bed like usual. I straddle him and I said, is God saying anything to you? And he goes, yeah. And he got this real sheepish look on his like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. He could, you know, it was one of those things where he knew he couldn't deny God was speaking to him. Come on, isn't that wonderful for a young kid? Just to be gullible enough, if you would, naive enough to say, God, speak to me, and then finally he hears him speak. So I said, what does he say to you? He goes, I heard him say, Wilson, I love you. What a better prophetic word can you get? <laughs> I mean, can you, what a better prophetic word can you get than the voice of the Father speaking right to this little young boy's heart and saying, Wilson, I love you. God, that's awesome. Yeah. Moves me anyway. Okay, keep on moving here. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn and let one interpret. Again, don't turn this into formulas, guys. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. Now, this has been very difficult in the church to understand for a long time. I had to dig through a lot of cultural um, commentaries 
to try to discover what is going on even in this culture. Typically what would happen is those who were gifted in the prophetic would come in, and I think this is wonderful. We've gotten away from it and we need to get back to it. Those who were really gifted and bona fide prophets or very gifted in the prophetic would come in and they would encourage everybody to prophesy. And those who were very gifted would sit back and say, just go, go for it. And they would judge the word. They would say, okay, yeah, this is, this, that's right. What you're heading on right there, that thing you're picking up right there, this is really good. It was kind of like a mentor, you know how it is, like showing a basketball player, a coach showing a basketball player, okay, that what you're doing right there is really good. It's kind of like that. It's a discipleship thing. So when he's saying here, let two or three prophets speak, and um, let me read it again. If two or three, if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. That's what's going on in the context there. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. In other words, we want the prophetic to flow here and we want everybody to be released in it. But if the prophet or the one gifted in it starts to receive something, let the other one just yield to it and let it come out. Is this making sense? Hopefully this is helpful. For years I've read this stuff and it's like, I don't get it. What are we supposed to do? Who is the sitting by? Who is the one? This is simply what he's talking about. Again, let's not turn it into formulas. Verse 31. For you can what? All prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Come on, that's a good word, isn't it? Shall I say that again? Verse 31, read it with me. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophet. Very, very simple. What does that mean? Spirit of the prophet subject to the prophets. Meaning if the spirit of God is moving on you, he has set it up in such a way that he's put himself under you. Spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophet. The prophet has the choice on when they release that. Now we've talked about that before in here. I, and we don't have this issue, so please don't think that I'm trying to address something that we have an issue with because we don't. There, I've been in situations where someone will just right in the middle of something begin to prophesy. Right in the middle of when something's going on. I can't help it. I just have to do it right here at this point. Well, there's a, a challenge I have with that because it's like, number one, is God double talking? Because somebody else already is. And I don't think he does that. I don't really think he does that. If the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets, then he gives it to us to do with it as we wish. Hello? In other words... If I get a word from the Lord, I think it's wise to start asking these questions. Is this for now? Because I can get words that have nothing to do with the moment that have something to do with way later. You're with me. Is this for now? Is this word for right now? God, is this for the entire room? Or is it for an individual? I start asking these kinds of questions because I want it to fit and be appropriate. Is this making sense? I want, it, I want it to have its, in, its full impact. And so patience is a good thing. Hold on to it and say, is this for me? Is this for someone else? Is it for now? Is it for this entire room? I start asking those questions until I finally get some clarity on it and then begin to release the word. Now, again, I don't want us to turn things into formulas, but just for, sake, for the sake of wanting to excel and learn and grow in this, I think it's a good thing. It's helped me in years past, to hold on to prophetic words when I get them and ask them. Because I remember when I first used to get prophetic words, it was like, I remember the first time it happened. We were in a small group meeting, 
somebody was talking about something that was going on with a, a friend of theirs and they were sick and they needed some prayer and I felt the spirit of the Lord say, pray for them, they're gonna get healed. And immediately I interrupted and started saying, no, we gotta do it right now. No, we gotta do it right now, right now. And I could feel it as it was coming out of my mouth. It just went, boo, and it just died right there. Now, we got around to praying, and I believe God's heart and what he wanted to happen happened. But what was going on in that moment was it wasn't about what, what God was saying. It was about me. Does this make sense? Makes a, lot of sense. a little slowing down, a little processing, and going, okay, God, where's this fit? Where does this fit? Is it my word? Is it something you're just speaking to me, or is this something for someone in the room? Oftentimes, I will just stand in a room, and I will look around until I see where it connects. And I'll hold on to it. Is it now? Is it after? Hopefully this helps us. Again, I'm not trying to put principles on us that this is how we're supposed to do it. I just want us to learn and grow because ultimately my heart is for everybody in this room to prophesy. God's goal in all of this is relationship. I can't stress this enough. In the prophetic, are you with me? Everybody look at me for a moment. God's, God's goal, goal, goal in prophetic ministry it's not about spirituality it's not about how great we are and how close we can get our prophetic it's not about that it's about relationship I think Jesus was the best prophet that ever lived I think it's funny when people say things to me like Andrew you've got this you've got this Elijah anointing on your whatever it is and they use an Old Testament character I'm like I don't want the Elijah anointing I want the Jesus anointing he carried everything better than anyone else. And he's got way more of it. As a matter of fact, it started in him. I want the original. I want the original. Andrew, you're like an Elijah. Okay, great. I want to be like a Jesus. That's what I really want. Which biblical character do you identify? I hope it's Jesus. I really do. That's really my heart. That's what I want more than anything. I know I identify a lot with the New Testament Peter because he would say the most profound things and then he would stick his foot in his mouth. I can identify with that. At the same time, I don't want to be known as a Peter who says, I have the word of the Lord. I want to be known as a Jesus that carries the word of the Lord. Hello? All right. Just think for thought there. In other words, when Jesus entered this world, he was called Emmanuel, right? Which means God with us. Everything was about connection. Everything was about relationship. When Jesus entered this world, it was an announcement. Help. This is going to help us in all of our crazy, charismatic, Pentecostal stuff that we do. You ready? This is really going to help us. When Jesus entered the world, it was an announcement that the games, the spiritual gyrations, the man-made attempts to get near to God were in fact over. Come on, somebody say amen to that. They're over. All of us trying to ascend to God, ascend to God, ascend to God. We're all trying to get up to God. God says, it ain't going to happen here. Let me send myself to you. It's all about connection. The end of the book of Malachi, the last in the book of the Bible, the last prophet we have before we enter a 400 years of silence, Malachi says he will send Elijah. He will draw the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Come on, Elijah was a prophet, right? And what is he saying? This is the last thing that's happening right here before we see Jesus come on the scene. What is he saying? He's saying, I want connection. I want relationship. That's what, that's what the prophet does. He's going to bring a connection between your heart and God's heart. 
Hearing God is something that every person in this room can do. You do know that, right, by now? If you've been here long enough, you do know that, right? Every person can hear, but not every person hears everything. That's why the word says we know in part and we prophesy in part. That doesn't mean not prophesy. It just says know that when you prophesy, you're prophesying in part. Everybody okay with that? God is always speaking. I believe this. As a matter of fact, I believe he's more determined at speaking than we are determined at hearing. Too many other voices going on in our heads. And most of the time, I don't know about you, but most of the voices I hear in my head are my own, where I'm trying to figure life out, trying to figure out what makes sense. Still that voice and just simply say, okay, God, I need you right now. Start speaking. Start speaking to me. Trust me in this. I was talking with someone earlier this week. They were describing to me how they were hearing God through something secular they were doing. Is that their job? Secular job. And I stopped and I said, you know that's God, right? Talking to you. He goes, well, I don't know. You think he can do that? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. He can speak through anything secular. Absolutely. One of these days I'm going to do a message on this. He can speak through your body. He can speak through what you feel with your hands. You can touch something and hear God. You can see something and hear God. You can hear something other and hear God. You can breathe in and hear God. Do you know that? And understand God. He has given us these five senses for a reason. As a matter of fact, in the Greek, the word understanding when we talk about understanding, in our world, we think of it like, I got knowledge. I understand what God is saying. It's not what it means. The Greek word in understanding is the word experiential. I understand it because I've touched it. I know what it feels like. I understand it because he's touched me. I've breathed him in. All five of our senses come into play. Come on, is this good news? I told you I was going to speak on it sometime, and I'm doing it now, but I'll stop there. (laughs) He is determined at speaking. Oh, and In case we're unclear, his first language is not English. (laughs) It's not. And this might mess us up. His first language is not King James English. (laughs) Well, what is it? Is it Hebrew? Is it Aramaic? What is it? You ready? It's love. That's his first language. That's his first language. If you want to test to see if you're getting a word from the Lord, find out if it moves you on the inside. Is it bringing compassion? Is it bringing a stirring for the other person or for the people that you're bringing the word to? Is it moving something inside of you? Because you'll know when you're getting a word from the Lord when it starts to do that. Because his primary language is not Hebrew, it's not Aramaic, it's not Greek, it's love. You ever been moved by love in here? Anybody? It'll make you do crazy things, won't it? right? Well, you know when you're carrying a prophetic word when it starts to do that, when it starts to ooze out of you and you're like, oh, oh, I'm not anxious to give this word. I'm anxious to give love. I tell you, don't worry about how it comes out. It'll come out and it will connect and God will connect with people that he wants to connect with and you will connect with him and this whole thing comes together like one big family and it's wonderful. It's awesome. He can speak to you and he will speak to you in a way that you can understand. Simply put, prophecy is just a way of communication that God uses. And I am so thankful that the spirit of the living God was poured out on all flesh. Everybody say all flesh. flesh. Man, that's rich right there. It's poured out on all All flesh. flesh. Why is that important? Well, it tells me two things. 
all flesh, <laughs> which that's kind of important. But it also tells me that the word also became what? Flesh. flesh. Sarks. That's what the word is. It actually means meat and bone. This stuff right here. Don't tell me this body is not redeemed. Why does he heal us? In other words, the kingdom is so large in what God wants to pour out on us. I'm speaking outside of prophecy right now, but outside of what God, that prophecy, what God wants to pour out on us is so big that even our physical bodies get healed, even though we're not asking for it. Yes. Hello? Yes. Just something to chew on. The word became flesh. Flesh is not evil. Jesus wasn't evil, was he? The word became flesh. In other words, God's redeeming every part of this entire cosmos. Every part of it. Why am I saying that? I'm saying it for this reason. Don't compartmentalize our spirituality. Sex and marriage is awesome. No, you're making me uncomfortable. Get used to it. You know what? Human sexuality is the closest picture we have with God and man. Does this make you uncomfortable in a room like this? No. It shouldn't. It's very comfortable. Very I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> oh, boy. In other words, he's wanting to pour this out on us so much. It's not being withheld on his part. It's really us. It's really us. It's like, I don't know what it is. I think sometimes it, I think we've taken the Santa Claus is coming to town, that theology, and we've applied it on God. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good for so doggone sake, don't be bad. I can't get anything from God if I'm bad. He doesn't give me gifts if I'm bad. Right? We've taken that mentality, that, that, that Christmas song, and we've put it on God, and we've said this is the character and nature of God, and it doesn't work like that. I think we addressed that last week. God gives his gifts, Romans says, and they're irrevocable. They're without repentance. In other words, he never changes his mind. He puts them out there, and he says, everybody get in on this. Come on, everybody get in on this stuff right here. This is so good. Well, wait a minute. That guy's really a, he's a whoremonger. Philanderer. Uh, he's still got the gifts. Come on. Let me give you something practical here. When we were in Nashville, Tennessee, we planted a church up there, and it was in an old 1920s school building. It was a really cool place. But I really do believe when we took over the building that on the deed there was like a number of homeless people that were included. It was part of the property. They just came with it. They were there. Every time I showed up, I'd drive up, there they were, sitting against the wall. Hey, you got anything for me today? And I remember pulling in one Sunday and one of those guys yelling that out to me. You got something for me today? And I got really mad. I was like, God, man, I have been for years. We've been feeding you, taking care of you. I'm like, ah! You know, just please tell me somebody else has that feeling. <laughs> okay, all right. And I was just so frustrated inside. And as I'm walking up to the church to go in the door, I hear the Lord speak to me say, if I wanted him to prophesy over you, could you hear it? I am so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. You, you hear what's happening here. In other words, the gifts, they fall 
If he can speak through a mule, do you think he can speak through a person? Wait a minute, their character is not really lining up. They've got some issues in their life. And you don't? (laughs) Back up. (laughs) In other words, you can't earn the word. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. Stop getting... Let's get out of a mindset that says, I need to get my life cleaned up before I can really start connecting with God and other people. Right? You guys hear what I'm talking about, right? I mean, come on. I was born at night, but not last night. I know what it's like in church. We want to get ourselves ready to go to church. I need to pray some more because I got church this morning. Well, that's fine. Pray some more. That's never a bad thing. But, you know, the best thing you can do is really get up and run right into the middle of that group of people right there. Because I promise you, I am as messed up, if not worse, than everybody else in this room. And it's becoming very real to me. (laughs) Doesn't change in my belief in God, but you hear what I'm saying. I am pretty messed up on the inside. But it's okay. I know God's good, and I believe him enough to know that I will not get off of this, that I'm I'm getting better. I am getting better. Right, John Casebeer? Thank you. (laughs) Matthew 10.4 is the last thing I'm going to do, and I'm going to let us go. Are we good? Oh, I'm a little late. I have to do it. Because I'm in charge. (laughs) Matthew, chapter 10. Matthew, chapter 10. This is just simply about valuing the prophetic word that I'm going to be done here. But it's critically important that we value the prophetic word. I said last week that every time a prophetic word comes, you have a responsibility on what you do with it. You have a responsibility to say, okay, maybe that didn't make sense, but still we take it before the Lord and go, God, what is this? Maybe it really offended you, but you still take it before God and you say, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? Is there something I need to know in this? Maybe it came and immediately you knew, oh, that ain't right. Okay, take it before God. Steward it. Say, God, what's going on with this? That really bothered me, whatever it is. In other words, nobody in this room has power over you with a prophetic word. Nobody in this room has power over you. So if a prophetic word comes and it messes with you on the inside, it should not rip you off to the point where you just go into destitute. What was me? You hear what I'm saying? We are responsible for the word that's given to us, but we need to value it critically. It's critically important that we value it. Matthew 10 says this, verse 40. He who receives... Did I tell you wrong? Well, I just stopped my thought right in the middle of that, didn't I? 1040. Hebrews, I'm sorry. That's a really, Hebrews 10 is really good too, but we're not there. Matthew 1040. Thank you. God, help me. Everybody got it? He who receives you receives me. Oh, come on. This is a good word. Come on. He who receives you receives me. It doesn't say he who who receives your story, who receives your preaching. He who receives you receives me. Come on, this is good stuff, isn't it? This helps me a lot because now every time I walk into a restaurant and they welcome me and say, welcome, glad you're here. Yeah, you just took Jesus in. Right? (laughs) Oh, it's so good to see you. And you get to see Jesus. Come on, isn't that good? He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Oh, I love God's economy. You can't get away from it, right? Presence of God. Can't get him out of my mind. 
Can't get him out of my heart. Can't get him off my hands. Everywhere I go, there he is. Ah! <laughs> what was that all about? I have no idea. <laughs> Verse 41. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive what? A prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man receives a righteous man's reward. Come on, you've got to love God's economy, right? It's so good. Yeah. Part of hearing, I said this last week, I think, but it bears repeating. I am not a prophet, but I know what it feels like to get around a prophet, and I start prophesying. Mm-hmm. Right? You remember what happened to Saul? Yeah. Same thing. He says, you're going to come up on some prophets, and all of a sudden, or you're going to start prophesying, and there he is. He starts to prophesy. This is what he's talking about. When you can receive someone for the gift that has, they have on them, then you get to be a part of that. Yeah. You get to step right into it. Hmm. So good. It was like that with Jesus. Those who received Jesus got to really understand those parables that he spoke of, those enigmas, those weird things that don't even make sense. I think it's really interesting how we take stuff like that in Scripture, all in the name of Christianity, and we're not even at a place where we're walking close with God, not because he went anywhere, because we're trying... In other words, don't ever interpret parables outside of love. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. The worst theologians on this planet are those who know the word of God but don't know the God of the word and they're not in love with him. The best theologians are the ones that are absolutely in love with Jesus. Absolutely in love with Jesus. And then when you read parables that don't make any sense, all of a sudden you start to see it. You start to see, oh, well that's what was happening with these disciples. Receive a prophet in the name of a prophet. You receive a prophet's reward. In other words, you get to hear what he's hearing. You get to connect with what God is speaking to them. I want that. Now, I don't know if, how many people in here walk in the office of a prophet. The gift, all of us should have the gift of prophecy. It happens to all of us. I don't know. All I know is I want to see it happen more and more and more and more with us. So as I said last week, I'll say again this week, look for it. Don't expect it to happen next week when you come back in here. You've got way more opportunities as soon as you walk out this door to begin to prophesy but I don't know how to do it. How about you just speak what you hear? And when you stop hearing, stop speaking. <laughs> no, that's a good word. You know how it is. You get in the flow of the prophetic. I've had it happen. And all of a sudden, he stops talking, but I'm jazzed. So I start keep going with it, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, that doesn't feel so good. This one, he stops, let's stop. I know that he really is speaking all the time and that he really wants us to walk in this. So everybody stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you. Hmm. You know, when God started to speak to Moses, he's out in the wilderness doing his sheep thing. And God shows up in a burning bush. Now, for you and I, we see that with hindsight. So we hear burning bush, we automatically think of God. Moses sees this thing. He's like, what is that? I mean, really, come on. If you were to see a burning bush, right, and it doesn't get consumed. We have the context. He didn't have the context. I love what Scripture says at that point right there. He says, I will turn aside and go see. In other words, he saw it, but he decided to engage it. 
It's easy for us to see things and keep moving. Maybe make up our own interpretation. Maybe totally disregard it. But there's something about the prophetic. How many in here want to walk in the prophetic? If you do already, you want to walk in it more. I do too, because I want God's heart communicated, and I can't do it with my words. Here's what it takes for us to walk in it. There needs to be that attitude, that way of thinking in life, that when we go about what we're doing, if we see the burning bush, so to speak, that we say, I'm going to turn aside and go see what this is about. I'm going to go check that out. It was at that point that he started hearing what God was saying, right? He didn't hear him until he did that. I think that's just a picture for us. Everybody hold your hands out here for a minute. Just simply say and agree with me that, God, I'm going to turn aside. Whenever I see even the slightest hint of you moving, I'm going to turn aside and I'm going to go to you and I'm going to say, tell me what that's about. Tell me what that's about. Lord, I want to know more about that. Speak to me. Lord, I want that kind of attitude that says, I know that the world is in desperate need of your voice. And I know you've designed it for me to be a part of this. So God, I want to hear. There's people I'm going to come in contact with that nobody else will come in contact with. I want to be that person that knows how to bring the prophetic, that knows how to bring what your heart is, that wants, knows how to bring what you're saying. Lord, I choose that. I choose to turn aside, pay attention to it. Everybody with me on this? Yes, amen. What would it look like if we came in here on Sunday mornings and now all of a sudden I'm putting the pressure on the greeters. Are you ready? That all of a sudden when people came in, you didn't just shake their hand, you prophesied over them. I'm telling you, that's what I want. That's what I want to see. I want to see it. Somebody can walk in that door right there. Somebody greeting will prophesy over them and they can't get 10 feet before somebody else starts to prophesy over them. Come on. You talk about the atmosphere changing from yin, 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 God's talking. Right? Now God's talking. I want us to have that expectation. Do you feel my hand in the small of your back pushing you along? Come on, let's go. Let's do this. Let's prophesy over each other. Unapologetically, let's prophesy over each other. So, Father, that's what, that's what our heart is, Lord, because your word tells us that it's for edification, for building up, for exhortation. So, Lord, we're saying yes, 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 yes. We say yes to it. Because you're good and you're wonderful, we say yes to it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.